Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mickey Hart here. You're listening to GAR Football Show. The GA Hour with Colin Parkinson is brought to you by Paddy Power, home of the Money Back Special. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f-ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years. The county players seem to be getting special attention. They would be targeted in games, especially key players. Welcome to Thursday's show, Conor Doherty here. No Willie, no Connor. And I have to say, after I saw Alan Brogan sitting on my seat there on Monday, I thought I was going to get chucked out of the WhatsApp group as well. But I'm here, here I am, still alive, live to tell the tale, and I'm joined by someone who can help with this very quote. The county players seem to be getting special attention. They would be targeted in games, especially the key players. That's Cavan manager, Mickey Graham, speaking in the Irish News about how he thinks his players are there to be shot at during April for clubs. County men go back to clubs, basically. Club players want their heads on a stick. So, to that end, I've dragged Alan Lochnan in from the office. Alan, Galway native, senior herder of Capitagal, and most importantly, someone who has experience and I mean a lot of experience in targeting county players at club games oh that's quite an entry you've given me there now <laughs> I feel like you've completely misled people on uh on my experience targeting uh county players but uh yeah I have marked a couple but I would not say I've targeted them I'd say you're I'd say you're a spoiler I'd say you're the dogs at the sending oh go with, get them without doubt I'm a spoiler I uh they're uh, most of the time I'm told not to do too much hurling just uh, to stop them going. <laughs> don't you worry about the hurling. Don't yeah, you worry yeah, about the slitter. Yeah, don't worry. If, if you don't touch a ball, that's fine as long as he doesn't touch it either. That's, yeah. uh, you know, but... Um, Comes April, you're licking your lips. You get another shot at these big shot county players in their ears. You've got, you've got all your work done. You've been sort of researching whatever you want to say to them and you're ready to go. You're let out of the cage. I feel like, no, you're spreading the false <laughs> narrative here now at this point. But uh, I will ask you first of what do you mean, what do you mean by targeting so I can answer this properly? Well, that's why I have you here. You can tell me. What, what is targeting? No. Targeting, you're targeting a county player. It's not, that you, it's not that you want to injure him. It's that you want him to not want to be there. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah, I, I do know what you're saying, but I think it's, it's only natural that teams... Would, like, the county player for a team is usually their best player. Yeah. So it's only natural that you don't want their opposition's best player to have a big impact on the game. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yeah, they're targeted, but I'd say that's just using logic that you target the be- team's best player. Yeah. So, like, it's just say, like, like let's just talk about, say, centre-back for a hurling team. 
they're usually a pretty good player if they're the county player for that team you know you can target them a few ways you can either like attack them so you hit the ball down on top of them when they catch it you swamp them and uh, but then are you, when you say you swamp them are you trying to hurt them no I'm not trying to hurt them at all I'm just, I'm just <laughs> some saying, people are trying to hurt them <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I'm not talking about trying to hurt them I'm talking about you're targeting them in such a way that you know you want them to fall in a sense so that the other players around them see that their best players he's not having a good day yeah. he's he's under, under pressure here oh god we're in, we're under pressure now yeah. because our best players knocked out the big pillar and the rest of it will fall down <laughs> well yeah 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 not literally now but yeah but that's interesting so like this might bring it on a bit more so you would play a lot wing halfback for yeah. most of the time you would man mark around the defence if you have to but would you ever be given a job to man mark a centre back or a, a halfback I would say like we have played teams in the past you know where um their county player was playing centre back and we've had plans you know to take them on and put yeah. them into positions they're uncomfortable in I'd say but like it's it's never it would never be anything malicious or anything like that it would be about you know we want to they're strong in the air so we can go at them two ways we can either avoid them altogether or we can we can play around or play as normal and hope he doesn't have a great game or else we can hit the ball down top of him but be ready that when he catches it three of our players are going to come in tackle them put them under pressure try and force a turnover and it's a big big morale boost for everyone else around then yeah I think so I think Mickey Graham's concerns so with Kavanagh playing Monaghan I think it's May 19th so start of the championship playing the all in semi-finalists at home big games his first year's management and he's talking about the players being targeted and why he's concerned so he said this is an Irish news it's nervous times at the weekend Every game there's somebody picking up something. It doesn't help the county. Any lads that pick up knocks at this stage are probably missing a week's training and you're only five weeks out. Every session the lads are missing has a knock-on effect further down the line. I understand what's going on. It's just annoying that the lads are picking up so many knocks in a short space of time. So it's not clear there if he understands that they're all playing club games or whatever, but he is talking about them being targeted, especially key players. But is there that culture of letting them have it as well? Well, like, yeah, I, obviously I'm not saying that there's that doesn't go on. But um, I would certainly say that, yeah, there probably is some teams out there that, you know, they if they get a chance to hit their best player within the laws of the game that they don't get sent off, I'd say they're being encouraged to take it. Mm. But, like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you injure the best player? Well, no, why wouldn't, no, but why wouldn't you, if you have the chance to make a big hit on someone, like, you're not going to pull out? yeah. You know, no, that, 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 that's that's absolutely fair, Rick. You yeah. know, but I, 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 what I like, do, obviously within the the laws of the game. But yeah, there is. I'm sure there is. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say every, everyone's golden and all might and all that. But I'm I'm sure, yeah, maybe some teams are. But we have like we've all probably sat in change rooms. It doesn't happen all the time. It definitely doesn't even happen the majority of the time. But sat in change rooms where managers or coaches or players have said number eight or David, whoever, like, you know go get him like you know let him let him know you're there and like it is it's almost like a scalp like a you know like a, sc- a war skill you know where you sort of bring it back as a trophy then like when you take a scalp or you see their best player going off injured or as you say you see him falling and somebody getting the big hit or getting on top of them then they are like do you have target dots in their head but you have to remember I think the annoying thing for Mickey Graham or any of these county players is that they are playing for the county then in three four weeks time and they're expected to be going through all this as well at club level yeah and that's true and I suppose like I don't know what the figures are on this but you do in my experience you do see a lot of county players getting yellow cards and things like that on the pitch and you wonder if that's the direct relations like they're getting dogged on the pitch 
and they lash back and they get the card and they, they're the one who gets caught so I don't know what the figures are <laughs> on that but uh, just a little observation <laughs> I remember we were playing minor championship one time this was back in Derry and um we had we had the best the best minor in Derry. He was called Emmett Green. He was like legendary at the time. He was coming through, and everybody knew about him. He was playing for Ireland and stuff at underage level. And um, this sort of fight broke out anyway because everyone was always targeting him. But now he was big, strong. He couldn't really stop him. But then this fight broke out, and then this guy had obviously been waiting for this moment for like seven weeks. And he he stood back, his eyes were bulging, his fists were clenched, and he was shaking as well. And he goes, "I'm not afraid of you, Emma Green." <laughs> and your man Emma was like, "Who the hell are you? <laughs> what is going on here?" Yeah, what but it shows you like so, so it was so insignificant to him. But this was this guy's big moment. Like, I'm going to take on Emma Green, and I'm going to show him I'm not afraid of him. Like yeah. I don't mean to put you on trial here, Alan. I like what you do. I respect what you do, and I think there's a, a definite need for people like you out there. People like me, right? <laughs> but I want to talk about drink bans now. This is an odd reason why you're in. Um, so we're talking about no targeting better, county players and drink bans. That's why we have Alan in. Um, so Lee Keegan has been in the press uh, all week, and um, yeah, so he's saying he's given out about drink bans and the idea that you have to sort of go off it in a blanket ban for nine ten months or whatever it is so you're nearly 30 and you can't go drinking um you sit in the pub even having a my wadi and the heads are staring over at you why is he in here if you can't have a normal life like that what's the point i think it's just a culture of nga i always look at professional sports and particularly rugby uh they have a few beers after the game and they train two days later and perform at the highest level the week after that's the way the GEA should look at it as well. It's part and parcel of life. If you can't enjoy life with a bit of success, or even if you lose, have a few beers with your teammates, that's part of sport, and you have to have that as well. There has to be balance. If you always are locked into GEA, what is there out there for yourself? And it's just an interesting way of looking at. It. Like it's not like you know we all want to like oh let's let the lads loose. We all just want to have a you know a big party or whatever. Like you know, but it is the idea that you're not allowed to, just not allowed to do it and. Part of me thinks the club managers love this idea of a drink ban. Well, I, I would, I'd agree and I disagree as well at that. I'm going to contradict myself. But um, I would have thought maybe three or four years ago that would have definitely been the case, that managers would be like that at club level as well, that you couldn't be seen with it. But I, I do think more in, in recent years that uh, managers are more like trust the players a little bit more, especially from my experience anyway, that... Um, they're convinced enough that lads aren't going to go do the dog in it, you know, the week of a game or the week before a game. Mm. And uh, I think that's the right way. But is yeah. it not like, yeah, it's not even, sometimes I think they're not even thinking about it, say nutritionally or, you know, whatever you're putting into your body. I just think a lot of it is just mental. Like they, they love a bit of self-sacrifice and like a drink ban is an easy way to instill discipline well, and it's an easy way to see who steps out of line. There's a clear metric. If you drink, you step out of line. Well, well yeah, exactly. There is like a bit of a taboo to be seen with a pint in your hand yeah. from February to October whenever the season's on, I suppose, like, and... um but is this like it's? But it's sort of self-policed as well. Like so, it's not even like sometimes the managers don't even need to say it anymore. But it's it's almost like players. Like I don't know if they're brainwashed because it isn't happening all the time every year or in every club. But it, there are some years where it comes along and the players almost get sort of caught up in this way of life and they start to sort of, you know, they are policing boys and looking to see if anybody's stepping out of line and it is a way for them to sort of whip everybody into shape as well. Well, yeah, I suppose it's with the um, you always have the leadership kind of group in every team. Yeah, and um, I suppose a few years ago, as an example, in our club, um, there was. I shouldn't say in our club, in case any of our <laughs> things are listening. In a in an unnamed club, uh, in the west, out west, the, out west somewhere, <laughs> um, there was there was a twenty first for one of the lads on at the weekend, and uh, you know most of the team were at it because there was a guy that was involved in the team. 
lads went and had a few pints and that was grand we were back at training on Tuesday oh, we'll find out who's been drinking yeah there was a there was a bit of a group call at training and lads were asked you know who was drinking at the weekend and could you put up your hands like a team meeting about this like it was just yeah at the end of training just called in everyone was called in oh end of the changing rooms no 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 it wasn't anything as formal as that now look I might be over egging it a bit here but it was just more of an, an informal call in just like you know who's been who was drinking at the weekend and you know what like everyone put up their hands so, uh, <laughs> 27 and, people just putting their hands up and let's be honest now we did a few county representatives at the time and they put up their hand as well like so uh, <laughs> then a couple of the older lads who had been there you know uh, saying it's six weeks out of the championship lads what are you doing and I was like oh, come on that's six weeks you know it's 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 never <laughs> it's, it's never fine. it's never going to be in your system <laughs> so do you think that's okay to be drinking six weeks out and a couple of you looking at each other just nodding your heads yeah, just <laughs> looking solemn you know trying to trying to do the old contrite look yeah six weeks is is a long time do you have a do you have a bracket where you allow yourself to you know what like I I don't necessarily believe in drink bans anymore like I wouldn't no that's gonna that's gonna sound like yeah you know I'm that's out, your you know, catchphrase yeah you're I'm, out there every night I don't, I don't believe in drink bans yeah I'm out pints 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 lads as that no no um, like I would try to I'd never go wild anyway during the year like if we have games going up you just wouldn't go wild yeah. anyway but um, maybe like 10 days beforehand I would probably wouldn't touch anything but like yeah. I might but the, 11 days is fine 11 days is fine no but like I'm not saying like the the two weeks before that I'll be like going mad but if my mates are out having pints and one of my friends is going away or something like that I'll go out and I'll have a pint with them and it's it's you know that one pint isn't going to affect me when it comes to championship and running for a ball like you know See, this is the this is the interesting thing I think about the drink ban right so I'm not even because I, the thing I hate about the drink ban again it's not about the desire to drink and boys should be allowed to get pissed or whatever else it's just uh, like it's as arbitrary as a crisp ban or something. you know I know drinking's a bit you know it can be a bit worse for you in the long run or whatever but um you know it's just the one thing that people hone in on and it's just that culture then that people pick up on but like I think unless you're actually going to absolutely monitor monitor every single thing that you could be doing to assess your performance then like you know I don't know why you're sort of focusing on that specifically well, yeah, I, su- I suppose like it does. It, it there clearly is effects, you know, when you go drink heavily, you know, it affects your sport performance mm. if you're doing it the whole time, you know. And oh, if you're yeah, doing it day yeah. four games, there's there's no doubting that. But the way I would always see it is like if there's somebody who's drinking the night before a game, or he's been drinking just all the time throughout the season, and then he's still better than me. <laughs> Do you know? I know there's probably a discipline element to it that like you saw at some level and a bit of respect, as opposed to your teammates yeah. and the training you're doing. But if he's still better than me come the Sunday, it's like. Well, geez, uh, that's my fault like you know what I should be getting ahead of him if, if it's so bad for you yeah 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 but I suppose there's a bit of it as well you know you're talking about lads stepping out of line and lads putting in the effort and I suppose that would come under the line is that this guy is that good that when he drinks like this or is you know partying like this he's still one of our best players imagine if he actually applied yeah. himself and thing like that and it's a bit like lads are putting in an effort you know and not everyone's the same level so obviously like you were saying you're not as good as this guy but like you're trying your hardest to be there for the team do everything that guy's not really doing that yeah you know and I feel like that would spread through the rest of the team as well. But yeah, I think that that's that's absolutely fair. Like, and there is a sort, of, yeah, there is a discipline element to it. But I think if you want to deter that guy in the long run, then the best way to self police rather than you know, just send to boys, you can't drink forever or mm. shut up while we're stretching. What is that, by the way? Like, you know, when you're doing a cool down, shut up and concentrate on your hamstring stretch. I can do it while I'm talking. Do you want lads to enjoy the training or not? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the main, like, the main deterrent for him drinking should be when he comes back to training on Tuesday that you're, you're actually training is so tough 
and so like I don't mean it's slogs of running and all but the other boys are at the pitch and it's sharp and intense and they're driving into each other and like you know this guy thinks Jesus I do not want to feel like that again come Tuesday like so you need to as a group make training so hard that he won't want to go out drinking he'll want to be ready for training the next time yeah but th- that'll bring us completely onto a different debate like about you know we start training in January February or whatever like that and we might play a championship game in April and then you've three months four months break so <laughs> how are lads going to be at the pitch every every night you know at this fever pitch of a pace you know it's just it's not really possible so but we're not going to get into that now the championship structures need to change <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting into well, that here, here's how we fix it right? Willie will have a stroke if he, if he hears me talking about championship structures <laughs> especially when he's not here but um, one man who doesn't have this problem Phil McMahon doesn't drink but um, he had a great interview in the Irish Times there um, with Ian O'Reardon and uh, there was something that he was saying just a thought like you know GA players all over the country could relate to but it, the whole piece was about positive thinking and I thought oh, this is an interesting interesting angling rather than the usual championship structures or whatever else but um, I really like this piece where he said sometimes you want to feel that bit of pain so he's talking about in the morning when you wake up because it's like a reward knowing you've done something good most people still shy away from physical and mental pain when you have to embrace it learn from it and I thought that is class like there is something Ah, so pure and like, yeah, self fulfilling when you wake up in the morning and like you've done a session that you haven't enjoyed on the Tuesday night, but then come Wednesday morning, you're like, ah, that's that's in the that's in the bag, like that's under the belt, and this guy drinking is going <laughs> to he's going to regret that he missed yeah. that session, like he actually have done something good, and it reminded me of uh, I think Kevin McStay was on this show recently, and he was talking about a great line about real confidence. Again, like sort of versus fake confidence. So he's gone about these lads who sort of you know puff their chests out and they do a bit of bicep curls in the gym. And uh, I'm looking at you, Noel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they like and they're sort of portraying this confidence, but they don't really have it in them. When someone goes bad, like and I have done this myself. If you're not like you know doing as much training as you can, someone starts going bad in a game. You you feel like a bit of a fraud then, like or like you're going to get exposed. You're always waiting for the moment that you're going to get exposed. But when yeah. you've done the work, you've done all the runs, you've eaten right, you haven't you haven't drank. So maybe that's where it comes in handy. It's a mentality. Like you know, then that you like you can overcome the first mm. obstacle, and you are have you sort of deserve to win. Well, yeah. Well, look, um, I'm going to get all philosophical here now. Over and, and reference, I'm going to reference a book. But um, I read this book called Mind Gym by Gary Mack, and there's a line in it that he says, "Confidence comes from over preparation." So, like, I don't know. Like, obviously, with psychology and things like this, there's not one size fits all. I don't think. Like, you got to find what works for you. But for me, that kind of stru- stuck with me because. I'd always have to, you know, have done the run and have done the hard training to, you know, to when I'm running for the ball that I'm going to control that first time and it's going to be up in my hand and I'm going to be away. And it's just, I think that comes from like repetition. So it's like just you're out there, you're training loads and when it comes down to it, then you know that you can do it. And so confidence comes from overtraining, over preparation, over preparation. I was not like, overtraining is bad. <laughs> no, no, not overtraining, over preparation. So it's it's almost like tr- convincing yourself you've done absolutely everything you can. And more. And more to to be the best you can be in this game or when the time comes down to it. And, you know, like when you get to a tough point, it's just like, right, I've done that running session. We ran up that hill or whatever like that. Or yeah. we, we did those those sprints or, and all that. And um, you have that in the back of your mind. And I suppose you're chatting there about, uh, you know, you're playing the game and everything, things are getting tough, you know. But, like, there's nothing worse than someone absolutely hurling you in a game or something like that absolutely destroying you and you're tired and everything like that. Yeah. So it's like you can drag yourself back to that in that mindset that you've done this run and you're just as fit yeah. as him, you're as fast as him, you've the same. And in the long run, you're going to overrun him now. Yeah. It? It's like he's he's ahead of me now, but we'll, 
it's going to even out because there is actually there's nothing worse than the worrying about getting exposed say if you feel like you haven't done enough work but there's nothing better than when you've done something good even like so say you run up a pitch and I wouldn't score I'll set up a score yeah. <laughs> hand pass it off to a better player but then running back sort of into position and feeling like I'm going again and what someone shouts at you that's your score Connor. Yeah. you know that one <laughs> yeah, that's your score you're, picked you, up you everybody that, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. even though like you were just one of seven people who, who helped the score or whatever but um but then you're sort of yeah you're just ready to go for the next the next ball and you sort of feel like your man's tired beside you and yeah. then you start thinking I've done more work than this boy I'm going to sort of drive him into the ground here but that's it like it's football and hurling they're competitive sports and no matter they're team sports but at the same time they're individual battles and there's something very satisfying about you taking on your man one on one in yeah. a battle and you coming out you realising that you're you've the upper hand here you're winning all these balls no I don't like this I like, I like the blanket defence and no, I like people helping me out in, in the back line see, and this swarming is, tackling you can see I'm more of a hurler here now. Less, there's less <laughs> of that I'm, le- I'm less, less corrupted by, stop uh, trying to drag me into a hurling show here into a hurling debate yeah <laughs> um, but there's more on this actually like, Philly did take a, a deep dive in the interview um, so said, too many people start off the day on a negative giving out about going to work school or the weather if you start negative the day will likely continue that way what you do in the morning sets you up for the day. Start with one thing positive. That can start a cycle uh, to stay motivated for the day. Start on a negative and that might continue. And suddenly the day is gone. It's very, um, very Conor McGregor-esque almost. Like, you know, this law of attraction style yeah. of thing. Like, you know, I believe something good is going to happen. I'm putting it out there to the universe and it's going to come back. And I'm going to be sort of rewarded for what I believe is going to happen. Do you believe in the law of attraction? Look, Where, where the hell is this show? Yeah. <laughs> wow, this is deep now. Um... Look, I uh, I would agree with that to a certain point. Like, you've got to control what you can control. So I'm going to go back to that book I was talking about earlier yeah. again. But um, they use, it's, it's basically, he talks mostly about American sports. But there's a really good example uh, about, he uses a golfer on a tee. So he's talking about a guy teeing off and he's saying that, you know, don't hit the ball. In his head, he's whispering to himself, don't hit the ball into the water. Don't hit the ball into the yeah. water. Don't hit the ball into the water. What does he do? He hits the ball into the water. And he's like, don't think like that. you got to think of, hit this ball onto the green I'm going to hit this ball right onto the green and your man steps up and hits it onto the green so you got to focus on the positive aspects and not let the negative thoughts in your head affect the outcome basically this is an interesting one because um, uh, my, my girlfriend's like got a career in psychology right and she has this book I was looking through it one day at home it's just by this psychologist called Louise Hay and uh, she believes that every single illness or injury you have is brought about by a mental thing in your own head so basically you've, you've brought about every illness that you have so every time I have a cough you know, my girlfriend would say to me well, what's wrong with you and I'd be like oh, I just have a cough and she'd be like oh no but that's that means you're holding something in you're not you're not speaking your mind tell me, tell me <laughs> so I, I started to get more and more annoyed by this because I had the sniffles one day my nose was running and then Louise Hay tells you that that means you're you're crying on the inside so like you know I tried to put this thing to the test then and I started asking her, like, you know, well, I've got a broken finger at the minute. I was like, well, what, what does Louise Hay say about that? And she said to me, what, what finger is it? I was like, what do you mean, what finger is it? And she said, each finger represents a different emotional... <laughs> now, this is just Louise Hay's theory, and, like, my yeah. girlfriend's playing devil's advocate with a lot of it. So, again, I started getting more and more worked up. I was like, I just fell on my finger. And she's like, oh, well, it wasn't a coincidence that you fell on that specific finger. And then... Uh, I brought out the tape of um, the tape I brought out a YouTube video of Tom Parsons' injury I was like what about this 
you know, what, what what happened was that was that his fault and uh like you know she's like well you know maybe like there was a reason why he was in that position i was like no the goal like the so, goalie uh, player slid into the ball slid into his knee are, complete accident horrific accident are, are we getting back to now like this is god's plan you know you know well like that's sort of uh, what i was getting annoyed about then so i started replaying this tom parsons video until she she walked out and we there is no possible reason since. for this yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> is a complete coincidence this like. is a sham <laughs> yeah. yeah well like i know it's a good interview by philly um and it's in the Irish Times, but some general news before uh, before we lose a run of ourselves completely talking about psychology like this. God, Woody um, is going to be so annoyed <laughs> when he comes back. So, um, Donegal, another blow for Donegal. Martin O'Reilly's left the panel, uh, being reported by the BBC. So, Oran McNeilish obviously left, or he said he wasn't going to um, continue playing for the rest of the season. He said that in Highland Radio. He said he wasn't enjoying his football. Uh, you add that to Martin McElhenney isn't there anymore Mark McHugh Steve McBrerty Dara O'Connor they all left at the start of the year weren't weren't there at the start of the year and Declan Bonner was getting a bit spiky about uh, being asked about them so it's just a blow like they're losing all these like real established players and someone like Martin O'Reilly like I <laughs> I honestly I've never seen a man kick three points from play as consistently as he does and never really have it mentioned it's almost just like you know they the way it's reported is like he won another breaking ball. You know, which he does. He did all the donkey work and he kicked three from play just quite regularly and now he's gone. But And then Donegal, obviously, it's repeated the Ulster Finals. We were playing for Mana uh, away in the first round. So it's not, a, not an easy one. They've got Tyrone in the semi-finals. And remember Donegal last year? Now, like, anytime you win Ulster, it's, it's, you know, it's a big achievement. But last year, they had the beauty of Monaghan beating Tyrone for them and then Fermanagh beating Monaghan. So they didn't have to play Tyrone or Monaghan, which generally you'd have to at least beat one of them, if not two, to win Ulster. Like that's that's the way it is. They're the three big teams at the minute. But um so it's tough that they've lost all these players, but then I started looking at their panel and like you know, the reason why Martin O'Reilly, who is based in Dublin as well, but the front eight options that they still have, now there's probably more we can add to this, but I have twelve players here that are top quality. Like if you have Hugh McFadden, Jason McGee, Michael Langan, Michael Murphy, Kieran Thompson, Jamie Brennan, Paddy McBrerty, Dara O'Brien, Keelan McGonigal, Ashin Gallen, O'Donnell, Owen McHugh. Do you know that can keep going on and on and on. So like they still have this amazing squad. Oh, how many counties would kill for that? <laughs> it's it's yeah. crazy. Like so as much as I was like, Jesus, like we've been raving about Donegal, maybe we should roll back a bit. I looked at the panel then and I thought, ah nah, you know what? That'll be grand. Donegal are grand. <laughs> like, yeah. Um bit of hurling here, Alan. It's not really hurling, it's it's uh football disguise in hurling because it comes in the form of Kilkenny. So the minor footballers are making a return to the minor championship, minor football championship for the first time since two thousand and sixteen when they suffered a 70-point defeat uh, to Wexford. So um, they're back. I was reading the thing, I think it was in the, the Hogan stand, but um, they played Leash, actually, the Kilkenny minor footballers back in 97, and Leash were the All-Ireland champions, and they, I think they took them to three points, you know, and just got beat by three points. So it was obviously, there was something good going on back then. Henry Shefflin scored 1-1 that day for Kilkenny. So, you know, there's talent in this county, but they're all too bloody busy with their sticks. Look, why could have win informally, you know? They've been going well at the hurling, you know, concentrating on one uh, sport. That's what Derry have been doing, isn't it? <laughs> they're, not, they're not concentrating on any sport, is the problem with Derry. <laughs> um, and finally, I just have have down here, absolute fucking screamer in Dublin Senior 2 Championship. Um, so if anybody hasn't seen it, just go and check it out on the website. Niall McIntyre did a piece. Um, if you type in Robin Van Persie you'll find it because uh, it is an apt description of the finish yeah so St. Moores are playing uh, round towers uh, from Clondalkin there's a lot of round towers in Dublin and Conor Maguire scored this absolute beauty unbelievable so Kieran Redden obviously has been involved with the Dublin panels over the last while uh, gets the ball in midfield and just 
pings this like outside of the boot ball, you know, to sort of diagonal ball in over the top of the defenders. And Maguire's away, but rather than catch the ball and have a tight enough angle and probably have to work it back out, just hammers it home on the half volley into the far top corner. So his left foot comes across the keeper into the far top corner first time. And honestly, I've never heard a reaction like that in GA. Do you know the oh, oh like yeah, yeah, yeah normally yeah. it's just a cheer because you're somebody's through and you're seeing it for like five seconds and you're waiting yeah. to see what happens and it's just pull the trigger and good goal or whatever yeah but it was just shock yeah you just see it here it running through the crowd piece of pure quality that you just don't normally see yeah well this half volley thing might be catching on was it was it uh Kieran Malloy half volleyed it in the all-ireland final oh yeah the, for, for the, the goal assist. for the assist yeah, yeah. Well, it was a great finish then and, as well and yeah. uh in the Sigerson cup who was it um oh. wasn't Danny Tallon Toner, Niall Toner from Derry, yeah. who set the headed assist for because uh, Jardif Burns, his son Jardif Vogue Burns, um, played this past him. And Jardif Burns actually, we did a piece on the website about this headed yeah. assist. And Jardif Burns texted me saying he wouldn't have needed to dive and header it if the pass wasn't so bad because <laughs> <laughs> Jardif Vogue Burns sort of pulls the, the pass and it's rolling, and then your man slips and he just sort of throws his head at it and sets up the Tyrone player who swings it over for St. Mary's. But yeah. um, unorthodox finishes. So football is back and you're on board. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm, I love my blanket defences now. That's it. We converted. <laughs> All right, coming up, we've got Oshin Kiernan from Cavan. Conan Doherty was a fantastic analyst, and I mean, I really heed what he would say in your program. I think I think Tyrone are going to win. I'm going to go with them. I. As much as I, I predicted Dublin to win the All-Ireland at the start of the year, I just think Tyrone are going too well. They're unaffected by the other team. Too well set up. I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years. They're ready for them. I'm, I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Okay, so I'm joined by Cavan footballer Oshin Kiernan, a man who's story really should be told and um, it really is an inspiring story as well but an important one I'll just give it a, a quick sort of snapshot here Oshin before we get into it so in August you're diagnosed with testicular cancer in November you played for Castle Rahan against Coleraine in the Ulster Championship in February you finished chemo your fourth bout of chemo and in March you came on against the All-Ireland Champions Dublin for Cavan in the National League so yeah. how are you today Oshin? Yeah, very good now. Very good today. Thanks. Uh, all going well. Thanks. And you, you're like a hundred percent. You're back flat out training. Are you with the club now at the minute? Yeah, back fully training. Uh, we're with the club for the month of April um, and championship next month. Then um, with Calvin, uh, but yeah, back fully training and all going well. Thanks. For and like, do you feel like he had? Um, like, do you feel like you've lost anything from before or anything like that? Or are you just feeling exactly like you did before the summer? Yeah, not that I've really lost that, and um, it's it, it's hard to tell really because you just just coming back. I suppose every session is getting better and better. Um, but um, yeah, not 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 so much I've lost anything at all. Really, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, well, do you, do you want to go back to to August? Like, how, how did you start to notice something might not be right? Um, yeah, just in the middle of the championship uh, with Castle Rahan, um, I could find a wee. It wasn't even a, a lump as such, but more a divot or a kind of roughness down one of the testicles. And um, I didn't say that, and I didn't think much of it at the time. We were going well at football, so I didn't think much of it really. Um, we played that was before the Rammer game. I just noticed that. 
Uh, we played Ramble, then we played Salonia, uh, and before the Kingsport game, which was the quarter final, I just mentioned to my father saying that I could find a bit of roughness, and he just advised me to go to the GP in Cool. Um, my dad had uh, to take my cancer twice, so he he is through that. But um, yeah, so I went over to him and I got sent for a scan. Then the next morning, and the man that was doing the scan actually said that your GP will be on to you next week or so. Uh, but he rang an hour later and called him back over. So I knew at that point then that there was obviously something up. Um, so we headed over to him then, and he diagnosed me with testicular cancer. Uh, he, I asked him then, could I play the Saturday? Then he said, no, we couldn't risk it. So, so that was the start of really. <laughs> so after he told you you have testicular cancer, your first thought was, can I play on Saturday? Well, going over, I wanted to play Saturday, so that was kind of in my head. So that was yeah, that was one of the first questions. Uh, I, it was obviously a bit of a shock, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, it was just something. We had to. Get, he told me I'd have to get an operation, um, so it was just get the operation. I was hoping I could play Saturday because I felt so good. I, that's the thing about it. I didn't. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking sure everything was going so well, and I felt so good, so fresh and fit and strong. That I think nothing could possibly be wrong, but. I think that's the thing about cancer sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, and when you were when you were in with the GP that, at the first time, like, could you tell maybe by his reaction? Like, you know, did you know something was up just by the conversations you were having with him? Yeah, we were we were chatting away, we were chatting about football and just uh, general chat, and um, yeah, he was very calm. But once I, I just I just found once he examined me, I just I knew by his. Uh, his reaction, or I just, yeah, I, 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 some sort, I did know that um, he kind of changed a small bit. He said, "We're going to have to send you first scan straight yeah. away." Um, I did know it was a bit of a change. So I, maybe at that point he knew, and obviously couldn't say that until he was sure. But uh, I did realise that point that maybe something wasn't right. It must have been very scary, Oshin. Um, not, not too bad. We. Um, I don't know, yeah, it was a wee bit of a shock, but I had great support, and Dad was through it, so he kind of just talked to me. Um, another man, the strength condition coach, Cav, and Andre Quinn, he knew a lot about it too, so he talked to me, and it, like, it's not it's not as big as, as maybe people think. Obviously, I, I was very lucky, um, but I think the thought of it was more scarier than it actually is. Um, yeah, so I was lucky enough that way, and... Um, yeah, even on the way back, it was more people's reaction when I told people when I told the lads of football that night. Um, it was more their reaction that kind of got me more by shock. I was a bit more shocked in that than anything else. But the sport was amazing. And, um, yeah, that that was the start of it then. So I got the operation. It was uh, a couple of weeks later then. And I was obviously bed down for a couple of days. Um, but I, felt, I still felt good. I was back training after a few weeks and um, I actually trained the night before the, the county final but obviously by doctor's orders they, wasn't, they didn't let me play but I wore 21 that day uh, and lucky enough we won that day And like, did, did you feel you were training the night before did you feel like you could have played uh, the, the county final? I definitely felt I could have played yeah 15-20 <laughs> minutes um, probably just fitting the something for a full game but I definitely, I definitely wanted to play and felt I could have played for 15-20 minutes yeah 
But, um, but like, what, have to listen to these doctors too. Yeah, <laughs> but what was the what was so what was the you got the operation and then so before the county final, like you know, once you got the operation, is that you have the all clear then? Like you're after the operation, were you good to go then? Like that, that was that everything finished? After the operation, they said I'd get a scan just to make sure it was nowhere else. Um, so at that point, I was thinking that I was grand that like got the operation now back to normal start back training a uh, couple of slowly obviously and built up um, so yeah but they, I got the scan and then I knew I had the results of the scan that was after the day after the county final I knew that was coming up <laughs> um, but um, I think we were that just focused on, on the football and I never even thought of it too much really uh, I came up I went up the next day then he told me that it had spread up into my lymph nodes and that I'd have to get four rounds of chemo just to get rid of that and that I should be good then uh, which thankfully I was so this was the day after the county final you went down to Dublin and got a scan and that's when they said that the cancer had spread yeah um, yeah it was, nine, it was in Dublin for 9 o'clock the next morning so it must have been um, an early start after yeah, the night before <laughs> yeah it was good fun but uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear but I, I went back to Ballad Off to the lads and they made it very easy we were still celebrating obviously the win so it, it was, it made it all, they made it all very easy too yeah, so like, so you got that information down in, in Dublin, and you, you sort of was it not sort of you were just happier to go sort of and celebrate again. Like, was it hard to to block it all out, or you know, like, were you chatting to the, your teammates about the actual illness itself or the spread of it? Yeah, we went back and we were all chatting, and yeah, I was just telling the, the whole lot of the story, and yeah, there was a bit of uh, we're just going to have to go through it and get it done but that was it and we were celebrating as well obviously after winning and um, I knew then I was going to be playing against Kilrain uh, the week after so it was just about keeping ticking over and, and, and keep going to get ready for that game really then um, but no it was, they were all made it very easy obviously Lisa and girlfriend and fat close family as well but um, yeah we, so that, that was the next thing in my head was the Kilrain game really so did you, was that was that another question that you were talking to the GP about? So they tell, told you the cancer has spread to your abdominals and lymph nodes, and you're saying, "Well, I'm playing Coleraine in two weeks' time. <laughs> Is there any chance I can play this much?" Yeah, he said, "I don't see a problem with that." Um, so I, I was lucky enough that that, that way. Uh, I started the I started the chemo at the end of November, and that was that was mid November. So uh, two weeks after that, then I started the chemo. And how did you find uh, training with the club? The um, training with the club before the cool rain game. Yeah. Yeah, that was there was no problem. I, I was getting, I, I was coming back to fitness fairly quick. Um, then yeah, we we trained away and played. I played the full game against cool rain. Lucky enough, didn't go away that day, but it was, it was good to get back playing. So like. That brings us to November, like, and then the end of November. Yeah, as you say, you're starting the the chemo. Did you know much or what to expect going into the, the chemotherapy for four bouts of it? Not really. I've heard I heard of the side effects. They obviously tell you that what you, you could have, and the the first one was it wasn't too bad at all. So I was five days, I was five days in uh, the matter, and um, then I was uh, two weeks off. Like four, four sessions of that, um, but after the first one, I didn't find much difference at all. Really, right. um, 
I was wondering what the chemo they were putting into me until the hair started falling out. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, but after, after two, three, four, they obviously accumulated and they got, it got a bit, a bit worse that time. When I say worse, the energy went down, um, like taste buds and uh, on steroids. So at times I probably looked sick, but I didn't even feel sick really. I was probably swollen up a bit and pale and hair was gone, but I felt, I felt okay through it. I trained, he said to train away, let your body just do what it's able to. So I trained away and, um, Obviously, it wasn't going to be a hundred percent, but uh, it was good to keep going, though. Like, so you were doing football training, like you were doing a group session. Yeah, well, yeah, it was pretty much. Um, uh, they advised no real contact, but um, I felt, I felt uh, like they said there's a chance of a bruise, and you could bruise very easily in that. But I felt I was a hundred percent. I felt I was fine. Now I wasn't, I wasn't like like I was, but I still felt uh, good enough to train away. Um, so lucky enough I trained away when I was in the matter on the week the first few sessions I went to the gym um, that night and the nurse was saying I was probably a bit mad to do that but and then again the doctor said he was in and out every day so he said if you're up to it fine just to work away um, I'm not saying that to up myself right? I'm just, I'm just that's what's possible I know. Uh, and it can be done for other people going through it really and when you were in the gym like I'm not looking for specific numbers, but but did you notice like was your strength still high? Like were, were you doing strength training, or were you just keeping yourself taking over? I, I find no, I find my strength was still high. I don't know if that was the weakness steroids, but I did find my strength was pretty much the same. Now I felt if I pushed hard, I'd probably suffer the next morning a bit more. Mm. Um, so that's why I learned after the first cup to just take it that bit easier because um, the next morning you'd probably suffer if you did push that bit harder. But uh, going for walks and I had nice advice to do that. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I just put a, a bit of tape and wrapped it around the, the port that the chemo was going through so no one would ask any questions, really. Jesus. So so during the chemo, the club obviously had finished. He's, he's lost that game, the, the Coleraine. But you're training with Cavan then at this stage. Like, it, was that always on your mind then, trying to make it back for the National League? Or like, what, what was your what was your target? Yeah, I didn't really say any targets as such, but I was just I just wanted to get back playing football, so um I was gonna do everything I could to just get back as quick as possible. And um yeah, I was lucky enough I was able to train a lot of the way through it. Now as I said I was probably I wasn't hundred percent but I think it stands to me then when I didn't get the old clear and did go back training. Uh, that I, the fitness came back fairly quick then because I was tipping away. And then that must have been a big sort of uh, achievement, like a, a personal achievement, I suppose, as well. But it must have been really something then, knowing that you were in the squad and then you came on. And of all teams, you come on against, come on against Dublin. Like what, what, what a way to sort of end the journey. Obviously, like you've gone through the operation, you went through the chemo, and now you're coming on against Dublin with the all clear. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was very nice. It was very good to get on. At the time, I wasn't thinking. I was just thinking of the game itself. I wasn't thinking that and anything like that. But um, yeah, it was great to get back, and I just kind of—it was more. Uh, I, I wanted. I was mad to get back. I just wanted to prove that I wasn't going to let it stop me. The cancer stopped me doing that, and that's really so. Um, it was kind of—it was not very nice to get back. Yeah. Did did that help you in a sense? Like I know, Ricky talked about the support that you had from your teammates and stuff, but like just the the idea that you were always targeting something on the the football calendar, like you know something to focus on and to challenge yourself, and like you know rather than. 
as you say, sitting and, and feeling sick and maybe worrying a bit more than you would. You're just focusing on getting back for certain games or training as much as you can. Did that did that help along the way? Do you think? Yeah, definitely it helped massively. Um, and that's what I was doing. It was the Castellani, it was the county final. I wanted to get back, but then it was cool rain. Then I was be back in training with Cav and and yeah, it was, it was just. It was just keeping it was keeping the head busy, I suppose, and um, it was very good for folks to just keep training away, um, and obviously the lads as well. In that with the lads, for the support was, was unbelievable too. So, but, uh, yeah, it definitely helped, yeah, that massively. And like, so you've been with Castle Rahan for for two years now, but like, it must feel like a, a bit of a family that, that that you're with them and all the support that they gave you. Yeah, definitely. It was, it's, that's what it's like. It's a big family. Very, lads are very tightness, and I came down straight away, and I was straight in. It's, it's been unbelievable, really. Um, it's great to, to win it as well in the second year. Um, and hopefully we try and go and do it again now. And, and tell me this, uh, Oshin, like so you must sort of have a more appreciation of the GA does that make sense or of just being able to play football like you know we all sometimes I think get bogged down and you know the the struggles of it all and the stuff that we hate about it but surely you coming from your journey you must just really sort of see the, the beauty and everything to do with it now yeah definitely and now even the club lads and the county lads but even lads from different clubs and the sport has been unreal yeah um, but uh, yeah no definitely you see that, that side of it too it's it's yeah, it's a good great community, I suppose it definitely is. Um and you were saying appreciate yeah, you don't you don't worry about the smaller things as much, I suppose. Um so yeah, we're quite laid back anyway, but I'm probably a bit more laid back now. <laughs> I saw um, uh, Mickey Graham talking about his county players being targeted during club games. Are you one of those boys that's being targeted now back in the club action? <laughs> no, no. Well, I actually, my last Sunday was my first uh, club game back because I, uh, slight, I actually got a slight hamstring injury at the Dublin game, so I was just minding it. Um, so last Sunday was our first game back was, uh, against Chris Hill, but we've... Uh, we finally had us again now, so I'm looking forward to getting back in too. So you didn't get any uh, bad welcome backs or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. Well, it's all the sports, so that, that's the way. It is. Sometimes that's the way it is, but um, yeah, no, exactly. No, it's all it's all good. Well, here, Oshin, thanks a million for your time, and honestly, congratulations. It really is some story and some journey that you've been through. No problem. Thanks very much. Alright, thanks a million. There is no show on Monday, but Willie will be back on the following Thursday and we'll see you then. The GA Hour with Colin Parkinson is brought to you by Paddy Power, home of the Money Back Special. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a f- shit shock next Saturday evening that we put him back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.